Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Okay, so I'm going to read you two verses from Romans chapter 12. To some of you, it'll be extremely familiar to you. We're going to go on a journey that maybe is fresh today. I love how the Word of God, for some of you have been students of the Bible, you've been in church, it's been your whole life. Isn't it wonderful to come and see similar scriptures that you've seen before, but it's just like a sharpened sword? It cuts deep, it just, it resonates, it heals, it gives life and it gives hope. Well, I'm going to read these familiar verses. I'm going to pray. I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. I'm going to give you three points. and It's going to be fun and practical, a little bit different ending maybe you're used to. A little fun. A little demonstration, a little act of faith, and I believe it's going to set you up partially part of the setup. It's part of a setup by God for 2020. We didn't just turn the corner on a new year. We turned the corner on a new decade. And 10 is the number of testing. 2010 decade was a lot of testing, in my opinion. Won't go there. 2020 is a year of recycling. 20 is a recycling word in the Bible. It's like fresh start, new beginning. So get ready, get ready. Touch your neighbor and say, get ready. Okay, Romans chapter 12. Put it on the screen. Here we go. Don't copy. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be a copy. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. What that's really telling us, don't be seduced into the huge influence of the world culture that we live in. There's 168 hours in a week. We come to church for a couple hours. So for 166 hours, we are barraged with images, thoughts, ideas that are coming at us so fast we can't keep up. And they influence how we think and how we live our behavior. All of us are inundated with messages, a lot of good ones, but often cultural godless, non-truth-based pieces of information that can harm your soul, save, love Jesus, but going down the wrong path. Don't copy the cultural customs of the world, but let, everybody shout out let. That's a decision word. Let God transform, right? I inserted the word change. Let God change you into a New person. And how does he do that? By changing the way that you think. Now before we leave here today, I believe God's word is going to challenge everyone sitting here. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, whether you're a searcher, a seeker, you're trying to figure the God thing out, or you're someone who's been a Christian for a hundred years and you've studied the Bible for 50 years, across the board, I promise you, this message has awakening power to awaken you, awaken you, awaken you. I see an awakening coming. To, so I want to be changed in 2020. I've been doing this a long time for 50 years. I, 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 I want to change. I want to see a new Jerry. And, and I want to see a new you. God wants to see it. It all comes down to not being dominated in those 168 hours a week by negativity and toxic thoughts, but be completely consumed with God's truth that changes you. 
into a new person. Come on, pray with me, would you? Jesus, 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 we came to your house. We love your house. I love your, I love this church. I can't move here, but I sure wish I could. I love this church. Love this church. Thank you for what you've done in 14 short months. Thank you for Pastor Mark and Pastor Rochelle. Thank you for the leadership team. It's so excellent, so happy. The spirit of holiness, a passion for you, and a passion to build the church. The single greatest thing happening on the earth today is the building of local churches. It's the hope of the world. Thank you, God. And this morning I got my assignment. I'm ready. Holy Spirit, would you help me with my voice? I've helped me to speak clear. Help all of us to hear clear. Hear what you're saying. And we bind on earth every demonic, devilish interference that would hinder us. And we say it will be bound in heaven as well. We're about to hear the word of God and we're going to be changed in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. <laughs> I remember being a little boy. I was about seven, eight years old. I was in my dad's workshop. My dad was my idol. He was born in 1916. He had a sixth grade education. He was raised in the river swamps of northwest Florida. Made a, made a few cents a day. Wake up and his shoes would be frozen. Put him by the fire to unfreeze him. To walk into the edges of the river swamps. And cutting down timber with a cross cut saw. For 10 hours a day. Sometimes literally, no kidding. Literally didn't have time. He'd just push a gator away. Tough guy. He could fix anything. He could make anything. He built our home. He built boats. He built cabinets. He, he made gardens that fed the neighborhood. He was just, he was a man's man. And I so, in a good way, looked up to my dad and longed for his approval. And in the big picture, I had it. He was a very good dad, taught me a lot of things. But I remember being about eight, being in the workshop. My dad was over in the far corner. And I was leaning up at a workbench and I was trying to make something. It was a project from school that required some hands-on. And I was stumbling with it and getting frustrated. He must have been having a bad day. He walked over. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, I, Daddy, this is the South. Daddy, I'm, I'm, I'm putting together this project. He said, give that thing to me. You can't put anything together with your hand. You're so bad with your hands. And... So he did it for me and put it down and I had a finished product but I had a wounded heart. Now before you send my dad to hell. He was, he, in many ways he was a wonderful father. He didn't understand. See, I don't know about you. I, I heard that Orange County have no negative people. They're born perfect and stay perfect. Transplants takes about a year before they're cleaned up. But People from Texas it takes longer. Because everything about Texas is big, you know. They, anyway, what was I going to say? So, anyway, yeah, don't send my dad to hell. He's a good dad. But there would be a few times where, in harsh moments, he didn't mean to, because he did more good than he did bad, trust me. But those statements came into the soul of a little boy and formed patterns that I would remember his voice You can't do anything with your hands. For years, I felt like I could not do anything making things. I just didn't. I tried. I couldn't do it. Like scrambled eggs brains. My mother, on the other side, overcompensated on the opposite. She sheltered me, protected me. I love my mama. 
and she's in both in heaven now. But I remember many, many times when we'd be in a conversation with people and there'd be an opportunity for me to do something, go to a class at church or go to something at school to try out for this opportunity. And people would be, hey, Jerry, you want to come? And I would get this frozen look because I'd already been told that I can't do things. So instantly I'm thinking, well, what would people think? I can't do this. I'm embarrassed. I can't do that. And so my mom began to say this. She put her hand over me. She said, oh, he can't, he's shy. He can't do that. No, no, he can't do that. He's shy. He's shy. He's shy. He's shy. And she thought she was protecting me. What she was actually doing is feeding the wound. That was a little boy that grew up to become a teenager, got involved in the party scene of my generation, you know, the hippie drug movement, if you read your history books, that was me. And, and uh, I started discovery, become older, you discover your personality. It's a, it's a lifelong discovery, who God made you, what talents he's given you, what gifts you have. You're, you're, I'm still unpacking it, almost 66. I'm still discovering parts of me I didn't know there. Because your life, your soul, your spirit, your mind is so complex and astonishing. But I remember unpacking and realizing... I'm an outgoing guy. People like me. Wow. I was kind of awakened to it. And I, I wanted to be popular. So I started going to the parties. Next thing you know, I'm one of the in-group cool people. I was, oh, wow, that's kind of a shock. And started dating pretty girls. Well, wow, that's even a greater shock. I'm so shy. Gosh, this is, this is a pretty good deal. But it led to weird activity in my generation. In September of 1971, coming to the same church I was raised in, small little country church in northwest Florida, I had an encounter with Jesus. And I pray if you've never had one, you have one right here this morning. I'd kind of come to the end of my road. I tried my little party scene and, and it was fun for a while. Get stoned and etc. Come to Ocean Church and get washed. <laughs> I mean, I, I went to church every week because it was kind of what you did in my family. I'd party late Saturday night, to be honest with you, and get up early Sunday because it honored my parents. I still wanted to honor them. I was living a double life. And again, no one does that in Orange County. And so I, same thing week after week, but I'd come to the point where I was devastated, overwhelmed by life, hurt, abused by friends, felt cut off, so depressed sitting in the back corner of the church in a pew, wooden pew. No one could see me from the back because it was never a full church like this. And I didn't need, I got on the floor and laid down. Started weeping like a baby. Here's the tough guy, the strong guy on campus, the partier, the guy that leads the crowd, weeping like a, a child, begging God, could you ever forgive me? I'm so sorry for what I've done. I've never tried being a Christian. I thought being a Christian was a loser. I thought being a Christian, I wanted to wait until I got really old, like 23 or 4. I wanted to enjoy life for a little bit. Because, you know, being a Christian means pretty much you just don't have fun anymore. You can't smoke. You can't chew. You can't drink. You can't. You can't. You can't. I mean, the women back then had to wear dresses, no makeup, no jewelry. Uh, I mean, it, the limitations were very religious. Some of the same people were not nice people. But they were sure religious. That's how I was raised. So I, I, didn't, I didn't want any of that stuff. 
But I came to a place where I didn't care what it was. I've never tasted it. So how could I judge something I'd never tasted? Oh, yeah, you make yourself the brilliant opinion over something you've never done. The Bible says taste and see. Taste first that the Lord is good. I've always challenged people, take the taste test. Don't make yourself an expert on something you've never even touched, much less tasted. How do you know Christianity doesn't work? It's for weird people. If that's true, come on in and be weird with us. Let's just do it. Jump in the ocean. Jump in the ocean. Somebody shout out, jump in the ocean. Anyway, this has nothing to do with the message. I'm just kind of stuck here. Some, so somebody, somebody needs to maybe make a decision to become a Christian today. And that's an important thing. So I prayed and became a Christian that day, and it lit my candle. Everything changed. Dear God, bells were ringing, angels were singing, and my mom couldn't believe it. I mean, it radically changed me instantly. I was so happy, so free of the guilt and the shame. But it wasn't long. It's a week or two later where I realized I was absolutely forgiven. I had certainty that I had eternal life with God, but I still had a problem in my soul. See, the teachings of the scripture, good doctrine will tell you you're saved in your spirit, but your soul, your will, your mind, your thoughts, your emotions are in the process of being saved. And if you don't get that, it'll mess with you big time. So I just soon discovered I was a Christian, but I still had weird negative thoughts that were dominating. You see, because I was taught insecurity, it created neural pathways in my brain, in your brain. What is a neural pathway? Basically... It's thoughts, imaginations, concepts that you meditate on or hear or start practicing repeatedly. And you do it so long, it becomes a well-worn path, like a trail in the woods. And you do it without even thinking. And and, and so I had a well-worn neural pathway in my brain. It was called, you can't do it. And yet I had discovered gifting and ability, so many things, and I had this desire to go forward and see more. more. I don't mean it in a negative way, but I wanted to go far beyond the borders and the limitations of my family. And I'm not meaning that in a despairing way, but I didn't want to be locked out of being a leader. Because yeah. the McKinney's, well, we just don't, you know, we just, we just don't want to, we, we don't do that. It was not humility, it was pride. You see, sometimes we think we're being humble, Many, many times it's sneaky pride, sneaky pride. We know the bold pride, but there's a sneaky kind of pride. And so I'm struggling with these things. Can I really do it? Can I really go places? Can I accomplish my destiny? A few months later, 71, I'm at church again. See, I went back to church again. Aren't you proud of me? And in and, and on Sunday morning, in worship, singing from a hymnal, old school church. Yeah. I'm worshiping, and I'm in the presence of Jesus. That's why you got to come to church every week. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm just doing church, and I'm a happy new Christian. I'm coming again. It's maybe three months after I'm saved. And I get this impression that's almost audible. It was one of the holiest moments of my life to date. And I heard this, this voice, this impression. And God's saying, I'm calling you to become a pastor. 
Oh my, I started weeping. I thought, I was so excited. I jumped out of the little pew and ran up crump and interrupted the service. And the pastor comes over and says, what? And he put the mic on and said, God just called me to be a pastor. He goes, oh my gosh. He says, why don't you take the mic and tell the church? So he gives me this big, gigantic microphone. I said, in a squeaky little voice I had, you guys know me as Jerry McKinney. I've been in this church since I was two years old. But today God met with me. He changed my name. He's called me. My name is Reverend James McKinney. Then, and the church did that for about five minutes. Some people were crying, think, dear God, he's here. <laughs> and, and that began a journey of excitement to explore being a pastor at the expense of many moments of pain. Because remember the neural pathway, well-worn. The devil would come and whisper, you can't be a pastor. People won't respect you. You can't do this. You're always too shy. You can't speak in front of a crowd. And yet I had this desire growing in me. I got this conflict between what God's called me to do and what my neural pathway based on negative thoughts was trying to hinder me and limit me from doing. <clears throat> I'm, in I'm in church again. I come back to church. I'm in church again and I hear this word, you know, college. I'm thinking that's impossible. I had goofed off in school. I graduated high school with a 1.7 GPA. That's nothing to be proud of. That was because, not because I'm not smart. It's because I was foolish. And I'm thinking, I can't go to college. No one in my entire family, this is a southern family. We've got 10,000 relatives. I mean, so, so, so no one has ever gone to college. No money. We're, not, we're lower middle income people. We don't have that. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. But I did. It was completely debt free in four years. And it worked. But it was a battle. The battle between the lies and the truth. Some of you need to change. Become a new person. I prophesy to you, some of you will not be recognizable in one year. <clears throat> and, 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 and it's not necessarily because your circumstances are going to change, although we hope that does too. It's because you're going to change. Your perspective, your thinking. Let God change you into a new person by changing how you think. I remember, I remember many years later, go fast forward. And, and, and it's okay if I ramble today? Uh, uh, good, because I'm going to do it anyway. So anyway, I'm, I'm sorry, that sounded rude. Uh, uh, um, what was I going to say? 20 years later, maybe. I don't know how many years later. I'm in Portland, Oregon. I'm not in ministry. Long story. Maybe I'll come back and tell you that journey someday. But I'm in Portland, and um, some friends and I had gotten involved in local politics. It was just a God idea. We started kind of getting burdened for the city and wanted to make a difference in our city of Portland, Oregon. So we just felt like it was a God idea. Maybe 15 of us. And we started rallying volunteers that we knew, friends, people from our church. And next thing you know, we had two and 300 people with us. And we're walking streets and we're putting up flyers for candidates that we believed in. All of a sudden, the city was awakened to that group. Who is that group? Well, I was one of the leaders of this. And we, had great, we helped elect the mayor that year. And he thought we walked on water, man. He wanted to court us big time. 
my wife, not then, but later, actually became his right hand and worked in his office, all because of that influence. Anyway, dial it back. We had 1980, we got involved. 1982 rolls around, and we're having this meeting, about 15 people talking about, how, what could we do in 1982? Who, who could we work for? What could we do to make a difference? What's God saying? We're praying. We're doing this because we care. Not trying to impress anybody. We care about being salt and light in our city. And at that moment, you know, at that moment, God was saying to us, get involved and in, in shape the political culture. And so it was, a, it was what he said. So we're just trying to obey, not trying to impress anybody, not trying to be liberals versus conservatives, Republicans versus Democrats. We're just trying to do what God told us to do. And we work, by the way, with Democrats and Republicans. So 1982, in this room, 15 people talking, and someone says, yeah, we got a great opportunity, a guy named Gordon, he's a county commissioner, he's running for this certain position, which is probably the second most significant and powerful position in the entire city, which is a big deal. Yeah. And so, he, But he needs a director, someone to manage the campaign. And someone instantly shout out, Jerry McKinney should do that. I went straight to my neural pathway. I broke out in the cold sweat like I had thousands of times when my name was mentioned if I wasn't ready for it. So you got a guy that's conflicted. I could light up the room or I could be a shadow in the room. You never knew who you were going to get. And it's all based on what I was allowing my mind to go to. You didn't know which Jerry you were going to get. I didn't know which Jerry I was going to give you. But in that setting, my name was mentioned. I felt awkward. I felt embarrassed. I could see my dad saying, you can't do it. And I could see my mom saying, he's shy, he's shy, he's shy. And I could see, I didn't see those things. But the, the, the pathway, instantly, I didn't have to try. It took me down that road saying, you don't have experience. Have somebody else. So I did the, what I thought was humility thing. Oh, no, no, I shouldn't do that. You should get someone else. You know, I'm not really qualified. It sounded humble, but it was actually pride. It was sneaky pride. I'm willing to step through the pain and step into the opportunity because of how my thinking was. So I surrendered. Okay, after a long discussion, I got convinced. I took, I went in and I took the job. It was an unbelievable, influential year. I ran this entire campaign. I, I wish I could tell you all that God did. But the bigger thing is it launched me into a 10-year career in politics. I met with governors. I met with a president. I helped elect United States senators. I worked for a, co a very influential congressman for eight years. I raised millions of dollars. Now, I, that had, thank you. I, I promise you, I promise you, I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to tell you I had a 50-50 chance of opening that window. And I barely opened the door because my neural pathway, wrong thinking, almost kept me from it. I never played on an organized sports team as a kid. Back then, we only had a couple. I mean, this is back in the 50s, for heaven's sakes. But, but they were there. I never once played on any team other than, you know, P.E. or in the backyard running around. And mostly not because of the opportunity wasn't there, because he's too shy. I was more concerned about what you thought about me. What, could I perform to your expectations? Could I preach good enough? Could my church grow fast enough? Do I have the best marriage? Are my kids perfect? Did I dress right? By the way, you like my shoes? But, I mean, yeah. So it was, it, was, it was all about me, and I was convinced I was trying to be humble. And it was revealed to me one day, Jerry, it has nothing to do with humility. It's your pride. And the reason you feel God resists you is because God says, I resist the proud as fun as you are and having a heart after God as you do, which I believe I do. There was a sneaky pride that got into my brain. 
and convinced me I couldn't do it. And I said yes to that. And it robbed me, I'm sorry to say, from wonderful opportunities, professionally, athletically, relationally. Although I broke through it, and my life's been a journey of amazing exploits. But when I, when I was about to take that job, Ooh, time's going. As I was about to take that job, I was wrestling. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart. All the, and it's, I don't have to. It just happens. I'm asking for advice and a great leader in the church. God bless them. You think I should? They say, well, you can't do that job. You don't have any training. You can't do that. And it awakened that road. So it was real thin chance. Some of you are right on the edge of discovering something in you you didn't know existed. You're really close. 2020 is your year, baby. It's a year of new beginnings. We're going to see the new you. So I need to move forward. So so how, how, how do we learn, how do we learn to, um, to change our thinking? What do we do practically? Is it just willpower? What do you do? Let God change you by changing the way you think. What, what do I do? God change me. God change me. God change me. I, I, what, 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 I, th- this is real simple. I'm going to give you three steps. And they're practical. And we're going to practice it right now today. But it doesn't happen doing it one time. Neurologists and psychologists tell us that humanity has a propensity to negativity. We instinctively go negative. So you got to fight that gravitational pull. And you have to intentionally do something to defeat it. Or you allow Satan, who hates you so much, You allow him to limit you in the journey of discovery of who God destined you to be. So the shy guy who couldn't do anything became a political consultant for 10 years. The shy guy who couldn't do anything bought property and built a 22-lot subdivision. And my dad said, I built my own house. Struggling with I can'ts, but broke through it. The shy guy who had to push through. Some days I could get up and feel good about speaking. Other days I think, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's not me. What with you? It's weird. Then he says, go start a church in San Diego. I'm thinking, that's impossible. But it's all, it all comes down to how you think. We've got to destroy. Three things you got to do. Three things you got to do. I'll do them quick. Three things. Number one, everybody say identify. Identify. Say it louder. You got to identify the negative tendencies, the negative thinking patterns, the negative strongholds that are in your mind. Listen to me. Listen to me. Look at me. If you don't know who your enemy is, how can the world can you defeat him? Most of us are tolerating things that have been there so long, we don't even know they're there. Subconsciously, we are limiting our potential, our capacity. God told me to tell you, there is so much more for you. 
There are books to be written in this room. There are businesses to be started. There are songs to be birthed. There are marriages to be established. There are breakthroughs to come. There's research to be accomplished. There's amazing things in this room at Ocean's Church today. But Satan would love to lock you out so you go the journey without unlocking the door. You've got to identify it. You've got to identify it. You've got to, what are they? You've got to take ownership. This is my mind, my life, my destiny. My problem is not my wife. My problem is not my husband. My problem is not my job. My problem is not the house I live in. My problem is not how I was raised. Here's the biggie. My problem is not how people have treated or even abused me. Now, sorry, circumstances, we're not making light. Circumstances are painful. But those circumstances do not push you to your destiny. What does is your perspective, is your thinking. So we got to identify. Now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go big time. I'm going to read to you a list. It's a bad list. Oh, man, I hate this list. I wish I could lose it. <clears throat> but I, <clears throat> I'm reading this list of negatives just to awaken us. And on your, on your seat around, you'll find a piece of white paper. Would you pick it up? This is, this is a different kind of service. But I felt God told me to do this in a practical way. I honestly feel like this is what God wanted today at Ocean's Church. And, and what I want you to do in the piece of paper, grab a pen. And I want us to all do a little inventory of our thinking. And, and I'm going to read this horrible list and see if it triggers in you some things that trouble you. And maybe there's other things. Let's, let me read it real quick. You have your pen and paper ready. You write down the things that you feel. The negative trends you recognize in your life. Holy Spirit, help us right now. This is the holy moment. This is not just like a little, you know, psychological survey. This, this is a holy moment. We're going to identify those demonic things. Listen, I'm worthless. I don't measure up. I'm not enough. I'll never get this area of my life figured out. I always mess up and do the wrong thing. I'm exactly the same as my parents. I'm a fake. I'm broken. I'm a lost cause. I'll never be debt free. I just cannot forgive the people who hurt me. I'll never own a home. Nobody struggled with what I struggle with. If people really knew me, they would hate me. I can't trust people. They'll always hurt me. Nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody really cares about me. I'm stuck. I can't move forward. I married the wrong person. I'll end up failing. I'm powerless. To help myself or others, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. I can't get through this. I need to quit, move, give up. I feel unwanted. I feel unloved. I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I feel so guilty. I'm weak. Nobody cares about me. I'm a failure. That is where humans live. And it's dark. It's not filled with light. And it has a lot more power than we give it credit. You can, you, can, you can miss out at the fork in a road because these kind of thoughts cause you to go the wrong way. Now, now just take a moment. You got your piece of paper and write down some of those or anything else. And I, 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 I've got mine written down. Write it down. Just write it down. I feel like 
feel like I can't pastor my church for another five years. I'm tired. Maybe I should quit. That's one I'm fighting. Just to be honest with you. Let's be real. Can you be real for a moment? Can we just be real at church? Let's just be a whole, write it down. Everybody should be writing something. Everybody. Wherever you are in your journey, trust me. Trust me. There's some negative strongholds. I want to lead the way. I want want to conquer my strongholds. I want to conquer those negative things. Write them down. So the first word is identify. The second word is destroy. And what that means is, in just a moment, we're going to tear this thing up and throw it away. It's It's like an action. It's an action. I feel like it gives me, it energizes me every time I do this. Write down. I do this all the time. If I don't have paper, I take my phone out and get a note page and write, I feel da 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 da. And I'll write down two or three things in that little garbage can in the bottom corner. I love that. He's my friend. I write those puppies down. I say, no longer. Bam. Gone. And the more I repeat this, I'm creating, which is point number three, create new neural pathways. Replacing the negative with the truth of God's word. And it begins to shape me into a new person. This is an exercise, I promise you, if you'll practice it day after day after day after day, hold each other accountable, do it in your small group, challenge your friend, challenge your spouse, do whatever it takes, keep this thing going. I'm identifying. I'm taking ownership. I'm not going to tolerate these things. I know who my enemy is, and I'm going to write it down, and I'm going to act in faith and destroy it again and again and again and again and again. I'm going to create new neural pathways. By putting truth inside of me and I am becoming as a little bit older man a new person by changing the way I think. All right, here we go. We're going to tear this puppy in two. Go for it. Let's do it. And then tear it again and just keep tearing it as much as you can. Make it as small as you can. The devil can't put it back together. It's Humpty Dumpty. He cannot be put back together again. Go Humpty. All right, you got a bunch of little pieces in your hand. Keep, don't drop them. Keep them in your hand. If we leave those things, they will limit us. If we destroy them, I'm releasing new levels of discovered potential. I'm still discovering gifting that I didn't know I had. I won't tell you what they are, but it's kind of cool. I'm loving it. I'm discovering the new me. See, we're not too old to change. We're not too young to change. I'm looking at people nodding their heads saying, man, I want some of this. Or hold it in your hand. Hold it up. I want to see it up in the air. All torn up in pieces. Everybody hold it in the air. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we defeat the negative neural pathways in our brain. Today, we're on the beginning of a new journey of defeating our enemies. Defeating them. On the count of three, I want you to throw it in the air as high as you can. Ready? One, two, three, go. Hey, yeah. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Yeah. Come on. This this is the absolute joy of being a guest. I'm leaving a big, fat mess in the church. Now, here's the thing. That's the beginning. This is a journey. I pray in Jesus' name 
if you begin to practice identifying your arch enemy, and that's Mr. Negativity. There's unlimited potential. I don't care where you were raised. I don't care what someone did. I mean, I do care what someone did to you. But I don't care to, to be, I, we don't care. We, we, that, that doesn't stop us. Right? Right, right, right. Right. Yes, 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 Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes. Yes, we believe your word. We believe the truth. We believe the truth, what God says about me. I'm not worried about what people say about me. What people think about me has no bearing on who I become. It's what I think about me that matters. That's what matters. And what God says about me that matters. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I need to be done or Pastor Mark will never invite me back again. I need to stop. We need to land this plane right now. So would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray for you. Jesus, thank you for these wonderful moments with Ocean's Church. And today, we believe another wave has rolled in. Yes, you've spoken to us today. And we receive it. The way this really starts is you give your life to Jesus. That's where you, you, you encounter the power and the potential of Christianity. And the power and the potential of God's word literally changing you into a new person. It starts with praying a prayer, asking God to forgive you. I don't know where you are in your journey, but I feel like there's a number of people here that need to say, you know, Pastor, I want it. I want to pray like you did that day in that little church. I want to give my life to God. I've, I've been a critic, and I've been I've, I've misunderstood, and I, I didn't know, but now my heart's open today, and I want to pray, and I want to, I want to make things right between me and God. If you'd like to pray that prayer right now where you're seated, would you raise your hand? I want to see it right now. Quick, quick, don't think about it. Go, 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 go. Quick, don't think about it. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, give him a hand. Yeah, yeah, this is awesome. Yes, thank you. Thank you. My, my statement is, keep your heads back. My statement is, if you're wondering if you should, you should. Just lift your hand quickly. That's all you're doing. If you haven't raised it yet, quickly, five more seconds. You want to pray this prayer right where you're seated. Thank you. Awesome. Come on, church family. Can we pray it out loud together? If you raised your hand, well, even if you didn't, pray this prayer to God with us out loud. Say Jesus. I need to hear it loud. Jesus. I'm bringing my whole life to you. Everything about me. I just long to be forgiven. I want to have eternal life. I want the shame to be gone. The loneliness. The sense of being lost. I want to find Jesus and find my hope. Would you forgive me today? I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. I want to change. Receive me now, I pray. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Come on, let's celebrate with everybody. We prayed that prayer from the heart. Awesome. Awesome. Come on, that's the best. That's the best. That's the best. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.